Okay, let's pray. Uh, anybody got anything we need to pray about? Um, sorry, I should ask that first. But uh, if, yeah, I'm sorry, bro. Yeah, Wednesday is uh, the twins' appointment. You want to give us anything other than just that? I mean, that's those usually the scans and the x-rays and stuff, so we'll be in the hospital all day. And yeah. they have to, to do that scan, they have to go under, don't they? Yeah, they have to put them on anesthesia. Yeah. Yeah. So they will be put under uh, mm. both of them. Because they have the majority of the day. So. Right. So they're pretty little. How, how old are they now? Six months. Holy smokes. Six months. So, yeah, just be praying about that, guys. Uh, obviously, they're going to be, they're going to have tests all day, but pray that... Um, that the, the scans come back and everything's good to go, and we don't have to worry about this anymore. So, um, pray for Holly and her, um, just everything, and Brady as well. So, okay, um, let's pray and we'll get rock and rolling. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for just loving us. I thank you for uh, the past point class, Lord. It really, um, it was just an amazing week to see uh, your your body do uh, what they do and just uh, shrug their shoulders at it when uh, you try to tell them thanks for it. And uh, God, it's just really humbling to be a part of what you're doing uh, at HBF and not only HBF, but just right here in the Passpoint class. We really are um, knit together tighter than a family. And so... Uh, Lord, I pray you just uh, just give each and every one of them a special blessing for, for that because they would never ask for it on their own, Lord. And I thank you for um, just the outreach at the Newlands last night. I do pray that we gave out a lot of... Uh a lot of stuff last night, Lord, but I pray that the eternal stuff uh, takes root, Lord. Even if one uh, or ten or a hundred, who knows, uh, actually uh, read the stuff and uh, get plugged in, Lord, and uh, get get on the path to uh, knowing you, it was uh, worth it in eternity. So, God, I do pray that um, there will be a day in eternity that we may never even know that we meet somebody and they say that uh, they're there because of uh, just our efforts of passing out candy and and Johns and Romans and everything else, Lord. So, do uh, Lord, I do just uh, pray you just bless that. Uh, keep the seeds uh, fertile from that. I pray you just uh, bless uh, this morning as we move into Romans chapter 9. Uh, Lord, sometimes it uh, is a little intimidating as we get into something that's pretty deep and theological, Lord. And I do pray that you would just uh, really just remove me. Uh, I don't have anything to say about anything, especially when it comes to this, Lord. But I know your word does and it's clear and it's concise. And I pray that it would come across that way and that you would just uh, get the honor and the glory for it. Lord, I do also pray for uh, the Barnes this week as uh, the twin girls are uh, going to have tests done, and I pray that the tests would come back clear and uh, just that things would go uh, well. Pray for Holly and Brady and just their um, their peace uh, as as it goes uh, through all of this, Lord. I do pray for one more thing, just the uh, the Passpoint Thanksgiving. It's just another thing that we do, Lord. But uh, I pray that it's just a, a good time, a fellowship uh, for you, Lord. So uh, I'm sure there's things I'm forgetting, God, but um, you know what they are. And so I just pray that you just bless uh, this morning in Christ's name, Amen. Okay, Romans chapter nine. Romans chapter nine. So you may or may not know, other than a little bit that I've told you for the past several weeks, that Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 were coming, and they were coming quick. And uh, Romans chapter... You don't have to leave, man. You don't, like, you mad or what? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. The book of Romans is... Uh, 
is an amazing book. You guys uh, probably already know that. Um, it's one of the, the most, uh, the, the best books for us as Christians today to take what uh, the Apostle Paul, um, it really just gives you doctrine from uh, lost man all the way to uh, sanctified Christian. And so there's a ton in uh, the book of Romans, right? And we've, we've looked at a lot just through the first eight chapters. We've, we've seen basically, uh, we went from the depravity of man all the way to, you know, where we're at now and, you know, how uh, the lost sinner can get uh, the message that he needs to get and he can apply it to his life and uh, really know how to win the battle between uh, living in the, the flesh and living in the spirit, right? And so before Paul goes on, it, 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 I've heard it taught this way, um, and this just kind of came to my mind. The first uh, eight uh, chapters of Romans are, you know, what God can do for you. Right? And I've actually heard it say that it's the first uh, 11 chapters, but 9, 10, and 11 are kind of their own special breed. So we'll say that the first eight chapters of Romans is everything that God can do for you. Right? And so we've learned a lot as it comes to that, and it's taken a little while to get there. Um, and don't think it's going to get any faster. And then chapters 12 through 16 are now what you can do for Christ. And so they're really practical, boots-on-the-ground type of teaching. And I'm really looking forward to that. My favorite passage in the Bible is Romans 12, 1 and 2. You guys all know that by now. Um, But we'll get there. Before we get there, though, you've got Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. And I want to just give you a brief excerpt of what Paul is trying to do here. Obviously, the book of Romans, going back to the first week that we started teaching Romans, uh, is a book written by, it's a letter written by Paul to the churches in Rome. So uh, these churches are uh, young in the Lord, and he's trying to basically establish the faith because he can't get there, or he hasn't gotten there yet. That's the whole point. So he's writing it to the church. You get to Romans chapter 9, and then 9, 10, and 11, and he takes a little hiatus. Now, he's still the letter is still written to Rome. It's still written to the churches in Rome, but the subject matter has changed a lot. And you might be like, this is not the way you normally talk. I know, this is a very teachy type of thing. But if you can understand the book of Romans as a whole, and really Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, and how they fit in, then it's really going to make the entire Bible uh, make a little bit more sense. Okay, and so I am sorry that it's a little teachy. I really like to do, uh, I like to be a little more inspirational, and I think we can still get some of that, but man, you've got to get this. And so he, he takes a little hiatus, and he's like, okay, because I've taught you everything up till now, right, from, from your lost state all the way to how you can live in Christ, there's some things that you need to know, Christian, Right, And so don't just take Romans 9, 10, 11 and throw them out because they're written about the Jews. No. He's like, there's some things you need to know, Christian, because Israel has a special place in God's heart. Israel has, uh, I don't even want to call it this, it is God's heart, the nation of Israel. Right, And so you have to understand what God's purpose is in all of that. And it doesn't negate the fact that we live in the age of grace and that we can get saved and we can, you know, be sanctified and live for God, right? Praise the Lord. We live in the age of grace. But it doesn't change the fact that God's chosen people has and always will be the nation of Israel. Right? And so uh, there's a reason that this is kind of all there. So Romans, I've heard it said this way, um, Romans chapter 9 is kind of Israel's past. Romans chapter 10 is kind of Israel's present. And Romans chapter 11 can be kind of said as... I'm really glad that didn't have anything in it. Rome, or, uh, Israel's future. Right? And so... 
Romans 9 can also, you know, sometimes you can you can say you can get the full counsel of a topic, but like it would be the, the, the place you could go to get the best understanding of one specific topic, right? So if you wanted the full counsel of marriage, where would you go? Ephesians chapter 5. Now there's a lot of other places that reference a Christian marriage, but the full counsel, you're going to get more out of that one spot, right? So if you wanted the full counsel of the sovereignty of God, you're going to go to Romans chapter 9. And you might be like, oh, that's a big word. Well, it is. And so the sovereignty of God also kind of steps on people's toes at times. And some people take it and they twist it. And uh, either next week or the week after, we're really going to get into some of that touchy subject matter of you know, what, what we're leading towards and some of that and how people take it and twist it. But before we do that, my notes are a little different today because I tried really hard. I, I usually compare uh, my teaching, my, my Sunday morning notes, because I taught Romans in HBI a while back. Um, and I usually take a few things and morph them together. But it's really hard because this is a pretty teach. So I'm using my HBI notes with a few added things along the way. So it, it's going to seem a little different today. But uh, I do have, because you always need a list, right, because this is how it rolls. Uh, and I'm not going to get done today. Uh, four examples of God's sovereignty at work. And hopefully we can get through the first two today. But four examples of God's sovereignty at work uh, up through verse 18. And so it's going to take us a couple weeks just to get that far. There's a lot here, bro. And you heard me teach this in HBI. Four examples of God's sovereignty at work. So let's just uh, let's just read some of this, right? And, and then I'll circle back around and, and we'll see what happens. So Romans chapter 9. I say the truth in Christ. We know Paul's writing this, right? I say the truth in Christ. Now, if you were to ever walk up to somebody and be like, I'm telling you the truth in Christ, whatever you're going to say after this must be pretty important. Must be something that you're like locked on, right? I say the truth in Christ. My wife is the most amazing woman in the world. Tell me I'm wrong, right? It's not going to happen, right? And so whatever it is, I say the truth. So he's got something to say here. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. See, he adds that in there as well. Like In case you thought I was lying to you. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So that's an entire verse of what I'm going to tell you is pretty important, right? That's all he basically said in Paul lingo. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Now, wait a minute. Paul spent eight chapters telling you how great it is that you can live in Christ, that you can have victory in Christ. We just left Romans chapter 8, where it's like the best victory, you know, chant passage that you can get at the end. Like, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And then it rolls right into this. I'm not lying to you, bro, but I'm really sad, right? That's pretty much what it says. I'm not changing it. Verse 3, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Now, real quick, if you didn't know this, Paul was a Jew. Right now, generally, uh, when you're reading about Christians, they're not converted Jews. Now, there are some, uh, even today, there are some that get saved, uh, Jews that get saved. Paul was a Jew. He was not just a Jew, but he was like a Jew of the Jews. Right? Uh, he was uh, learned in all the ways that you could learn. He was uh, a member of the Sanhedrin at one point. He had all of these things going for him. Right? He knew Jewish law like the back of his hand. And I don't know why people say that because I don't even know what the back of my hands look like. But he knew, uh, what he, was, he knew what he was talking about when it comes to Jewish law. Paul was a Jew. And he just laid this out. He says, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. We'll get to what that means in a minute. 
uh, for my brother and my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Verse 6, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they... That are not all Israel, or they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Now, I don't want to like give it away, because this might not be the key verse, but this is one of the main verses that you need to get out of this passage, verse six. Just know that. I'll let you do a little study this week on why that might be. Verse seven. Neither, because are they the seed of Abraham, are they called the children? But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are uh, the children of the flesh; these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise: At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither uh, having done any good or evil in the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. I'm going to stop right there. That verse right there really trips people up. We're not going to get that far today. So, but, but we're, we're going somewhere. So let's just kind of circle back around. Paul's like, okay, I've, I've written to the church, the Christian, a long time. We need to talk about the Jews for a minute. We need to talk about something for a minute. Right? So I've already told you this is like a really theological chapter here, right? And so um, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual... So what's, what's, what's he so tripped up about, right? Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me, what is he so tripped up about? Why is he so, like, sad? <laughs> right? He wants to see Israel saved. Right. He, he's got family that doesn't know the truth, that need to know the truth. Right? He says, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brother and my kinsmen according to the flesh. So... He, he, he's transitioning here from Jewish salvation to, to or I'm sorry, from Gentile salvation to Jewish selection. He's like, I, I, I've got a burden and you guys need to know what it is. So he's like, I, I'm writing this to the Gentile church, but you all know that I was born a Jew. Let's just make sure everybody's clear on that. You guys know that there's something going on here, right? Everywhere I go to preach, what did Paul do first? If he was on his missionary journey, what did he do? He went to the synagogue first, every time. And then when the Jews rejected him, then what would he do? Oh, then he would go out on the street and preach, right? And start churches. But he always went to the Jew first. There was a pattern on what he was doing there. Anybody who has lost a husband or a wife or a child or a parent can relate to what Paul's saying here. I would take... I would take it from them if they would just get it. Right? And, and that's basically what he's saying, man. I've got this heaviness in my heart because God wants to reach them so bad and they just won't get it. Right? And so a lot of us would be like, man, I want my family to be saved so bad. But Paul like one-ups you because he's like, if I could take their place, if I could take their place in hell and guarantee their access, I would do it. That's what Paul's saying. There's something serious about what he's saying here. Right? I, I'm without getting too heavy or, or or whatnot, but this is kind of practical. How many of you have somebody in your life, some buddies, right, family, friends, whatever, 
that it's just like, man, if you knew, if you only would get it, what would you sacrifice, right? I would give a lot. Paul's like, I would give my own salvation if they would just get it. That's how serious he is. right? And so you have to understand, that's how serious God is about getting salvation to Israel. That's still what he's trying to do. Sorry, like I said, these notes are a little bit different. Paul's burden related to the fact that they rejected Christ in the face of so much revelation. The Jews had more knowledge of God than you ever would have, is is basically what he's saying. Man, I'm writing to you guys in Rome, and all I had to do was tell you 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 accepted it. Praise God, right? Same way we are today. All you had to do was hear it and accept it. The Jews had more revelation. Like this thing... I'm trying to think of a good analogy. They, they were smacked in the head over and over and over again with the God is real tree, and they just could never get it, right? They just couldn't ever get it. They never would. The, the early Jews, they, they, they hadn't made up their mind. Was, was Jesus something real, or was he just another dude? They were still trying to figure all this out, and Paul's like, man, you, you've got to get what I'm getting here. And so the point is, God had to change the way he was doing things. How did he do that? Well, he made salvation available to who? The Gentiles, anybody. That's what the whole second part of the book of Acts is about. right? And then the book of Romans comes right on the heels of the book of Acts because now that the Gentiles are saved, how are they going to live? Well, well, the book of Romans is going to tell you all that. right? God is trying to, in, in a way, now don't take this the wrong way, but this is the way that I tried to explain it in, in HBI. God's trying to make the Jews jealous by giving new covenant blessings to out-of-covenant people. You picking up what I'm throwing down there? He's trying to... Sometimes you have to like... Um, now, this is a really bad example, but it's kind of funny. We've got uh, a dog and a cat that live inside of our house, right? The cat hates the dog. The dog hates the cat. Imagine that, right? The cat wants nothing to do with people unless the dog is around. If the dog's around, then she's like, oh, watch. I can go and they'll pet me, but they won't pet you, Right? She will do things, it's no, it's no different than kids, but I don't want to talk about my kids because one of them is in here, right? They will do things to make each other jealous to get their attention. You get what I'm saying? God is using this as a tactic, and he still is today. He's like, hey, if the Jews aren't going to accept it, well, here, I'm going to give it to somebody else. Now, it doesn't change the fact that the Jews today can still get saved the same way that we do. It's just a little different now for them. Before, they didn't have, there was no salvation. It was, it was living by faith, right? Old Testament, it's different now. Now it is accepting and believing by faith. Still is easy, but you know, it's not limited to them. God is trying to get their attention somehow, right? When you return to darkness, think about this if you were a Jew, after receiving God's light, your, your judgment is like tenfold. It's compounded. It's, it's a little worse now. It's one thing to uh, do something in ignorance and be like, oh, well, I guess I didn't, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be speeding. But when you're pulled over in front of the speed limit sign, it, your judgment is compounded. It's a little, little less likely. You can be like, I didn't know how fast I was supposed to be going, right? When you have knowledge of it, judgment is compounded. That's the same thing with the Jews that's going on here. One of the things that a lot of mature Christians live in fear from is what? It's, in, it's, it's falling from grace. Now, I don't mean you can lose your salvation, but as you've been saved for a while, now if you're a new Christian, maybe this hasn't really, really revealed itself to you, but as you're saved and you're walking with Christ for a while, 
this fear comes over you at times, and it's not the fact that you can lose your salvation, because we know from D1 that's not even a possibility, right? But it's the fact of knowing that you could do more, knowing you could be used for God and choosing not to be, and knowing that, hey, I had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and I was like, yeah, you know. And it's not that I'm falling from grace and the fact that I'm losing my salvation, but it's like, how could I turn and go and do worldly this, that, or the other when I know I should be doing this? Because I feel like judgment is going to be compounded. You understand what I'm saying? I feel like not that you know I'm going to go to hell, but I knew that there were things I could do to get God glory, and I didn't. That's kind of what Paul's trying to say here. Man, you guys knew better. And I would be willing to trade places with you if you would just get it. Verse 4, who are Israelites? So he, who's, he, who's he burdened about? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers and who are concerning the flesh came? Who is over all? God bless forever. So here's your first... What did I call it? I can't even remember what the list was. The first example. Well, I had like several different things in mind this morning. Your first example, right? Israel itself. The nation of Israel. That is your first example object lesson one right and then so the next two will come out of Israel and then there's another one that is, it will get to it but Israel itself is revelation of God's sovereignty and so I don't know I don't know I'm trying to make this all make sense because this is really theological and I don't know I just kind of like to roll with what it says but I want to make sure you guys see. so what is somebody tell me what is God's sovereignty when I say God's sovereignty what does that mean I want to make sure we're all on the same page when I'm talking about that. Ability to govern. Ability to govern. That's a really good way to put it. Like his ability to take care of us in all areas. Right. Take care of us. Anybody else have anything? I mean, I'm just kind of getting where your guys' minds are. I always think of like he reigns. Like he reigns over everything. Right. The word reign is in sovereignty, right? Basically... And this is not like this is not inspired. This is just kind of what's in my head. Uh, God's sovereignty is His ability to do whatever He wants, whenever He wants. He's God, and that includes with the world. That includes with your life. Uh, that includes, and so don't take that wrong. That God takes pleasure in bad things happening, um, but He also allows all the good things to happen as well. God's sovereignty. God is not limited by time. We see things as this happened, and so now what's the reaction going to be? God sees things as there was never a start or an end. I knew that was going to happen, and this was already planned. Right? What was going to come later was already. Pl- so you have to understand God's sovereignty, His ability to basically govern rule, reign, uh, anything, however you want to put it, uh, be king of everything, right? He is he is the one who does all that. So when we start to talk about God's sovereignty, that's when some people start to kind of be like, no, wait a minute, you're starting to get little, you know, and we'll get into that. We'll get into the Calvinism in discussion probably next week, right? So come back because I'm sure that's what everybody wants to talk about, okay? But before you get there, just the simple... If... If you're in charge of something, you get to make the decisions, correct? I mean, it's just the way it goes. Sometimes being uh, the leader of something, 
I don't want to make the decisions. I'm like, just just decide. I don't care. But you have to be the one, and your name is the one established with that is how it's going to be, right? You know, there are certain things that are okay. Like, in my house, there are certain rules. If my kids don't like it, I'm sorry, right? You could always, you know, move out and, you know, pay your own bills if you wanted to. But, you know, that's the, the example we always want to give. I don't want my kids to leave. That's not what I'm getting at. But there are certain things that go along with, you know, your word has meaning behind it. Okay, there's meaning behind what God says. God has made choices, is continuing to, well, they're already made, but lay out the choices that he's made, right? And so that's that's what I kind of want to show you. These are four examples. Israel itself is the first example, even in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, that God has chosen the nation of Israel. Well, how do we know that, right? How do we know that? So it falls like, hey, I really wish that my brothers would get this. The nation of Israel would get this, right? And they've got all this revelation that they should have known. Let me give you a few examples of the revelation that they have, right? Because he gives us a whole list right here. These are kind of the lights, all the things that, you know, these are the branches that they smacked themselves in the head on as they were falling out of the tree. All the different ways that God revealed himself to them and they still didn't get it, right? They had the adoption. These are right out of the text, so I didn't make these up, right? They had the adoption. What does that mean? All the nations of the earth, right? God creates Adam and then Eve and then, you know, bam, bam, bam. Then we've got Noah. We've got, there's, there's populated, I mean, the, the earth is huge. God selects one people group, right? Why didn't he select the Moabites? You know, I'm sure they were all right. I mean, or, or you know, why not? Not really. Lauren's back there and I'm like, not really. But uh, why didn't he select, you know, uh, whatever, you know, anybody? There were all different people groups from the time of the Tower of Babel moving forward. There were different people groups, right? Different languages, right? That's, that's one of the reasons that we only build buildings that are three stories or less because I don't want God to like make it to where I can't speak my language anymore, right? I'm not trying to build a tower, God, right? And I don't like heights, but it's all good. From that time on, God selected a people, right? We know from Genesis chapter 12 that what happened? He selects Abraham. And then what's he say, right? I'm going to establish, you know, all these different things through the nation of Israel, right? They had the adoption. Out of all the nations, he selected them. What's the second one? They had the glory. What does that mean? They had a unique manifestation of God's presence to their nation. How many different times did God manifest himself in ways that he doesn't do today to the nation of Israel? Over and over again. Like a burning bush? What, why is he hiding in the fire? Right? Like over and over again. He's got the Ark of the Covenant. You know? He, he's, got a, he's seen in a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire. Right? They saw physical manifestations that are not normal to how we would see them today. Right? They had something that we didn't, and they still didn't quite get it. Right? That's the whole point. They had these things. Here's another one. They had the covenants. Somebody give me a couple of the covenants. Right? There's the Abrahamic covenant. We'll start there. Right? The Abrahamic covenant. What did, so if you were here when we taught Genesis, which was over a year ago now, um, what are, well, there's four parts to the Abrahamic covenant. What did they have? Right. You know that because you're an HBI, right? Four parts came with the Abrahamic covenant. He guaranteed them a land, right? What's he say? Okay. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's exactly right there. No. He guarantees them a land, right? He says, hey, look that way. As far as you can see, 
That's yours. Oh, as far as you can see that way, that's yours. And that way, right? That, that was their land. He promised them, hey, this is your land. Anybody who comes in, I promise they don't stand a chance, right? A name. He says what? He said, I'm going to make your name great, right? Uh, a seed. Well, what does that mean? It means like if you've ever been to the beach and there's lots of grains of sand, he's like, hey, there's going to be more than that. If you ever looked up in the sky when you know there's no clouds, you're, you're, there's going to be more than the stars, right? There's, that's how big this thing's going to be, a seed and a blessing. He also says, hey, I'm going to bless them that bless you and curse them that curseth you. So without getting political, you should always make sure that who you're backing is backing Israel because God says it right there in His Word that I'm going to bless them that bless you and curse. I don't want to be on the curse side of we didn't back Israel. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Okay, so throwing that out there. They had the Abrahamic covenant. There was another one. They had the Palestinian covenant. And I'm not trying to get too teachy here, but I want you guys to know that Israel is... Like you've heard over and over again, Israel's pretty important to God. I want you to see why Israel is so important to God. Okay? They had the Palestinian covenant, which focuses on ownership of the land. Right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, as soon as I got saved, I was like, oh, Israel, right? And you keep hearing Israel, and it's like, oh, the only thing I was ever thinking was, like, Israel in the Middle East, right? I didn't understand that Israel was in the Bible and seeing, but, but I never understood, even as a lost man or as soon as I got saved, why everybody's fighting over a tiny little piece of ground in the sandbox? Like, it never made any sense to me. Like, at all. Like, of all the pieces of land in the world, there's a lot of them. Like, you can have Russia. It's cold there. Right? But why aren't we fighting over, like, the Caribbean? It's really nice there. Or, you know, I, of all the places in the world that, like, everybody seems to want, why is it Israel? Right? Why, why is it? Well, there's a, there's a reason. Out of all the, the deserts, why is there so much oil there? Right? Either you have to be a, a pretty good guesser or you have to know that God already knew that Jerusalem was going to be the center of the world stage from the beginning even until now. Right? There's a purpose behind all of it. I'm sure, or, or it's just a coincidence, right? I'm, I'm sure. You know, it's just a coincidence that, you know, no. He had it planned from the, the, this piece of ground, there's something about it, okay? And he says, hey, that's yours. Right? Israel, that is yours. Here's something for you to know. The reason that we still, even today, have a Middle East crisis is because of property and authority. That's all it's about. Property and authority. There's another covenant. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get through these. I want to get to some stuff. But, like I said, it's teachy. But if you, if you can grasp these things... The rest of this is going to make more sense. The Davidic covenant, which is what it basically says that uh, Jesus is going to come through the line of David, right? That's another covenant in the Bible. They had the covenants. I'm skipping over some stuff, guys. This is good stuff, but I just want to... Let me just read this to you. This is something out of my HBI notes. And this is like this is how my brain works. Maybe you're like, that doesn't mean anything to me. So we hear all these different religions all the time argue about their right, their right, right? Buddha was born in 623 B.C. The first biography of Buddha was not written until the first century A.D. How accurate do you think that was? A lot of time passed, right? Even the first biography of Muhammad was not written until 100 years after his death. But Matthew and Luke were written at the same time, right? At the time, immediately following the actual events, while anyone in living could have contradicted the statement. So if Matthew and Luke would have said something that really didn't happen, people would have been like, I was there. That didn't happen like that, right? 
we have something that was written at the time. How can you how can you not believe it? There were people there who could have been like, no, it didn't happen. That's not right. But instead, we, we you've got religions that are following guys that who knows because nobody really knows. It was hundreds, thousands of years. Even the Romans didn't dispute the historical record to the four Gospels. Right? It's evidence. So they had, they had what? They had, I'm sorry, go back to the, the list. They had the adoption. They had the glory. They had the covenants. They had the giving of the law. What is the law? Well, it's like the first five chapters of the Bible, right? Uh, you know, we know it as the Ten Commandments. There was like 600 others in case, you know, if you could keep the first ten, no big deal. I, can, I got like 590 other ones. So, you know, they had the law. Directly from God, given to them. Hey, this is my word to you, Israel. And they're like, yeah, maybe. How did they not get it? That's the whole point. Paul's like, man, I don't understand how you guys didn't get this. How do you still not get it? They had the law. They had the sacrifices. Not only did they have, these are all the things in the law, but they had like step by step how to do it. You're going to sacrifice for what? As a picture of what's coming. Oh, that's weird. The Passover lamb isn't just a lamb. No, it's something bigger. It pictures, I don't have time to go into it, it pictures the blood of Christ being struck on the doorpost of your heart. So now the death angel passes by, right? There's something there. They had the sacrifices. They had the promises. You know, Another thing, what promises? One of the reasons we know the Bible is true is well, mostly because you read it and you see that it's true. No other nation in history, now I know this, now I'm not a history guy. Like so I've told you, I'm, not, I'm definitely not a math major. Uh, grammar, out the door. Not much of a history dude either, unless it's in a movie, right? I really like war movies, but it's just, that's the only way I learn history. But anyway, uh, like, I'm telling you, if, if my history teacher could have like, taught it in like, Save It Private Ryan mode, or you know, We Were Soldiers mode, or something, I, that would have made tons of sense to me. Instead, it was like dates and who? What? i got to have something to go along with it. Anyway, you, you want to know how the Bible, you know it's true? No other nation in history has ever disbanded its existence for more than 100 years. Ever. It disbanded its existence for more than 100 years and came back to be the same nation speaking the same language. Except Israel. No other nation. Israel did. From 70 A.D., what happened in 70 A.D.? Somebody tell me. What? Right. They went in captivity. Titus came in. He sacked Jerusalem, right? He basically takes all of Israel that's left at the time, right, into captivity. They are no longer a nation. They have no, they have no anything. Why? Well, because they went against God and he finally allowed something to happen to get their attention. Okay? From 70 AD all the way till 1948, Israel did not have an existence. But something happened in 1948. I'm not a history dude, right? Go back. But... They raised the flag together, defeated the combined forces of five Arab armies, went on to build the best nation in the Middle East. God has promised that He was going to do this, and now here it is. And you're still like, man, I don't really know if the Bible's true. Everything is continuing to happen, right? They had promises, and God's fulfilling the promises. They had the patriarchs, right? Who are they? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? All the way through David, all those people, right? They had these things that God had promised them. The last blessing was Christ Himself. After everything, Israel saw all of this over and over again from their, you know, well, I wasn't there when they crossed the Red Sea. Okay, but your grandpa told you about it. 
right? Or, or your great grandpa, and all these different things. Well, I didn't really know David. Okay, well, you knew that he beat Goliath, right? All these stories throughout time, all these different things, all these promises that they had all the way, and they still didn't get it. So what did God do? He's like, okay, I'll send, I'll send my son, right? He came to the Jew first, right? He tried to go to the Jews, and they still wouldn't accept it. They had Christ Himself. Israel was channel was the channel by which Christ, God's Son, entered the world. He used them to bring Him, and they still didn't get it. Over and over and over again. You want to talk about God's sovereignty? Why? Because that's the biggest one. Why did God choose Israel, not somebody else? Or better yet, because this is the argument you're going to hear today, because Israel rejected Him, now He's chosen somebody else. Without... I don't know a whole lot about theology, but I do know what replacement theology is, and that's what that is. It is when America today, not only America, but we do it best, we try to say that because Israel rejected Christ, now we get the promises of Israel, and that's not true. right? We have a different set of promises that come with the age of grace, but we aren't Israel. God still has a plan for Israel. He always will have a plan for Israel. So if you want to talk about God's sovereignty, you have to start with Israel. Because from the first day until now, they're still the chosen people. You might say, well, why, why is it so rough on them? Why am I so rough on my kids when they do something stupid? Right? I'm tra- he's trying to teach them something. From the beginning, he promised them all these things, and they were like, no, nah, I'm good. And then they're like, okay, no, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I want it back, right? Go back and read all of the books as they're walking through the wilderness. Man, I want to follow you, God. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, I do. And over and over again, right? God's sovereignty starts with the nation of Israel. If you don't understand that, and I'll end with this. I only got through one. That's okay because the other three are... That's okay. You have to understand that Israel has been and not to step on your toes, but always will be God's chosen people, right? Now, it's awesome the fact that we get to step in through grace. Praise God that the the Jews didn't get it. Because if the Jews didn't get it, uh, I I don't think there's anybody in here other than Chris that could even try to claim that he's a Jew, right? So we would be out, right? The Gentiles had no hope, save for the fact that... And so you might also say... God had it planned from the beginning because He knew what their choice was going to be. Now you're really getting into, getting into God's sovereignty. Okay, but either way, the fact that all we have to do is accept by grace and follow Him, praise God. Right? So if you want to talk about sovereignty, because we're going to get into some stuff starting next week, well, why does God choose some people and not others? Right? Why does He love Jacob and hate Esau? Right? God's not that good. Okay, you have to start with Israel. Some, why, why do we like it that God chooses good things, but then we don't like it when He chooses bad things? Because well, we got benefit from one. Okay, you have to understand that from the beginning, Israel is where it's at. Right? And I know I took an entire class to tell you something you think you already knew, but as we go through two and a half more chapters of this, you're going to realize that maybe you didn't quite know everything you thought you knew when it comes to Israel. Right and and how it fits into our Christianity even today. So there's some more examples coming. Uh, please do come back next week because we're going to get into the Calvinism talk. Right, it's like the talk we're going to have. We're going to have the Calvinism talk. Um, and I, I want you guys to be here because it's important. Um, not only is it important, but it will it will help you be established in the faith in a way to really understand that that it's not really that great of an argument and why 
we believe the way we believe and where we fit in on the Calvinism, Armenianism thing. Okay? I'm sorry, it's teachy, but at the same time, I'm, uh, it's kind of like a sorry, not sorry, because if you guys can get this, it's going to make Bible study that much better, right? And then you're also going to see as we get through Romans 19 and 11 how beneficial it is for your Christianity moving forward in your own personal walk. So, with that, let's pray. We'll get out of here. I uh, hope to see you guys, uh, really, I hope to see you guys next Saturday before next Sunday. Uh, I promise we won't talk about Israel or the covenants or none of that on Saturday. Uh, I'll just beat you at Pictionary, right? So, whatever. So, it's all good. Um, sign up for that if you want. Um, if you don't want, sign up anyway because I think it'll be good. So, anyway, let's pray. We'll get out of here. Father God, I love you. Thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for um, just loving us, Lord. I really do. Uh, again, just want to want to say thanks to the Pass Point class and really just... Uh, being family, uh, rallying around one another, uh, building each other up. And Lord, no one of us could have done the things that we did this week, but because it was a group effort, um, it was just it was really awesome uh, to see your body come together. And uh, Lord, I do pray you just continue to use us in that manner, that fashion. Uh, if there's a need, Lord, I do pray that people uh, would know that you know HBF or the Passpoint class that's the place to go because uh, we love you, not because we like to do things, but because we love you. So, God, I pray you just send us out this week as uh, lights in a dark world. Um, Lord, it's an important week. I do pray for our nation. Um, God, you uh, you have everything lined up in your sovereignty. It couldn't have come in a better week. Um, uh, so, Lord, I do pray that we would uh, go and vote our Christian conscience, but at the same time, uh, we would uh, just be content uh, in you. Because no matter who's the president, you're the king. And so, God, I do uh, pray that you would just uh, settle our hearts in, in that matter um, and that you would just uh, use us as lights because it's, it's a dark world. And, uh, God, I pray you just get the honor and the glory from our lives. Pray for uh, the Barnes girls this week. Um, Lord, I pray you just uh, bless each and uh, every person here, uh, that just uh, you just bless their Bible study this week and that you would just uh, get the honor and the glory from their lives. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, guys, I'll see you uh, next week, if not sooner.